Today's What Should I Think About is a special episode, as it's recorded on location in North Yorkshire, where my wife Sarah and I have been staying for a holiday. On the show, we've been wanting to talk about the subject of prophecy for some time, and we intend to do multiple episodes looking at various attempts at foretelling the future from around the world and in various traditions. As we were staying a mere stone's throw away from the scene of one of England's most renowned prophets, Old Mother Shipton, and her cave at Knaresborough, Sarah and I took a camera to the site and recorded a bit of outside broadcast footage. So we'll start with a few snippets of our visit, and then you'll hear Sarah and I discuss the subject in the comfort of the converted stables, now holiday cottages we stay at every year. Of course, you may notice a slight drop in the quality of the recording, but I really hope you enjoy the episode. Video footage of the visit will be available to all of our patrons on our Patreon page within a few days of the podcast. If you've not already done so, why not become a patron for just a pound or a dollar fifty or a euro twenty or whatever the equivalent in your currency? Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age? If you count time living in the world. What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? (laughs) Well, maybe in my head. The thing is though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. Well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Okay, so we're entering now the cave and the petrifying well. So we're making our way down some stone steps to the petrifying well. You can hear the beads of water drop into a pool below. Man-made objects hang from the top of the waterfall. Teddy bears, shoes, an effigy of a man's head. All hung there to observe the slow process of apparent petrification or turning to stone. Actually the result of a mix of natural minerals from the wellspring source. Thousands of years old, coating the objects. Just a few feet away is the cave where Mother Shipton was said to have been born and then returned as an old woman giving prophecies both of local interest and national interest. You have entered this legendary cave where over 500 years ago a baby was born during a thunderstorm. The baby was named Ursula and was reputedly born disfigured and twisted. A statue stands at the end of the cave bathed in eerie light. Born in the cave next to the magic well. Mother and daughter lived in this cave for two years. Because of her appearance, she was constantly taunted. For peace and quiet, she would walk in the forest surrounding her birthplace, picking wild herbs and flowers. Not everyone enjoys the spooky surroundings. She predicted small local events at first, but she developed her powers almost as quickly as her reputation spread. People travelled from miles to visit her in the cave and ask her. 
A few feet up some steps is a so-called wishing well, a small rock pool now artificially lit by coloured lights. You know, you think about stories and uh, myths and things. Um, this is like, it's got ev all the components, doesn't it? Everything you want yeah. out of, yeah. Out of a myth, so, right? Thank you. So, you know, it's got a witch, it's got prophecy, End it's got spooky, spooky corners and yeah, and, and something just chemical and geological, but it is kind of cool. Yeah, natural. Yeah, exactly. A magical place. It feels like a magical place. Welcome to What Should I Think About? I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. Excellent. Okay, so um, on a Sunday we normally have a guest um, and we interview that guest and so on. And I suppose today's no different, but it is a bit different because today our guest is my wife, Sarah. Uh, welcome to What Should I Think About, Sarah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so we're on holiday this week in a place called Pateley Bridge. Um, we come here every year, don't we? We certainly do. Love it. We do. And um, we thought we'd incorporate our little visit with uh, a podcast special. So uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, before we start, maybe so you just want to kind of introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are. So, yes, um, I'm Sarah. Um, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, um, so born in basically, and I left the Jehovah's Witnesses when I was, I think, around 31, um, just after my father passed away. Um, and yeah, never looked back since. Cool, so we're, we're going to do a proper um your story aren't we we've we've discussed that and we really want to do that mm -hmm. if and when you're ready yeah um but at the moment we're we're not doing that we're going to focus on what i'd like to be a new little series really which is at the moment working title of you know prophecy and mm -hmm. uh, what should i think about prophecy um and we can look at different sorts of prophecy one of the things that i don't know whether you found this so but um one of the things that I was constantly told as a Jehovah's Witness that one of the proofs of the Bible, one of the absolute proofs that you know you can rely on the Bible, is because of the prophecies. Yeah. Did that? Did that convince you? Was that something that was important to you? No. No. It's a, it's a, yeah. No. Simple answer. Um, and as you've just said, um, obviously, um, I am going to do a, an interview that's. Um, going to be revolved around my life growing mm. up as a Jehovah's Witness so yeah the short answer is no because um, I actually didn't believe any of it mm. to be honest but I do get what you're saying because I grew up with people that did believe it mm. and it was talked about a lot and that if these prophecies um, came true then obviously everything in the Bible and what Jehovah's Witnesses said was correct and the truth. Absolutely, yeah. So it's one of the evidences, A, that the Bible is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. How could Bible writers make these predictions about the future 
if it wasn't from God, you know. So it's a proof that God wrote the Bible essentially, mm. albeit through these individuals. Um, and then obviously that extended to its proof that we have the truth as Jehovah's Witnesses because we use these Bible prophecies to foretell what's going to come. So, you know, the, the line I used to say on the on the ministry was, you know, the Bible, everything the Bible has said so far has come true. So we can have confidence that the things that haven't happened yet will happen. So we place a lot of store on prophecy. Mm. It was a big deal. Um, but to be honest, like you, I, I struggled with that, actually. Um, I found it quite difficult to justify the level of confidence that I needed to display about prophecy or perhaps come to that um, so that's the general theme I suppose is prophecy and what we thought quite, would be quite a nice thing to do would be to start investigating different prophecies and different prophets um, foretellers of the future however you want to describe them over the decades and millennium and so on um, and it just happens that in a town called Knaresborough, just outside of where we're staying in North Yorkshire for our holidays, is the site of one of the most important English prophets or prophetesses, depending mm. how you want to call it, uh, who became known as Mother Shipton. Uh, so do you want to tell um, our listeners a little bit about Mother Shipton. So, who was she, and uh, you know what do we know about her? Because she she ended up being seen as a prophet or a prophetess. Um, so, who was she? Um, like you just said, she was um, born in a, a town called Knaresborough in Yorkshire. So, she had a mother called Agatha. Um, who was only 15 years old when she became pregnant. Mm. Not entirely sure what her whole backstory is. There's lots of rumours um, around it saying that perhaps she was a prostitute and that's how she became pregnant. But anyway, she was only 15 years old, so it wasn't a very good um, good thing. So um, I think she was... I, don't, I can't remember now. Was she shunned or she was shoved away? Or yeah, what? I mean, she she had a. Um, so this is the mother Agatha, um, who would, who was going to give birth to, to the woman that became known mm. as Mother Shipton. Um, yeah, I think she ended up living in the cave, didn't she? Giving birth in the cave because because of the, um, the treatment, the, the treatment the she had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a storm. Was it? Oh, mm. that was it. No, she, it was a very stormy night, wasn't it? Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> so so the story goes. Yeah. Um, so she was uh, in this cave, uh, there was a massive storm, clappings of thunder, etc, etc, and she gave birth to this child that apparently came out of her jeering and laughing. Cackling, I <laughs> Cackling is the word, yes, yeah, sorry, um, as she came into mm. the world. Mm. Um, and, yes. Yeah, so she she ended up being born in this this kind of classically mythological kind of setting didn't she yeah. in a cave um yeah in a thunderstorm dark and stormy night all of that um yeah and again i think this is where obviously the myth builds you know so she, yeah she didn't come out laughing she came out or crying she came out cackling um she had some deformities apparently she um had a crooked back 
Yeah, crooked black, uh, black back even. Um, so a spondylosis of the spine, I think That's we would call that these yeah. days. Mm. Um, I think they mentioned a crooked bent nose mm. as well. So all the telltale signs forming a picture of a witch in yeah. the making. Yeah, I mean, if you look at pictures of... So if you if you go on Wikipedia or go anywhere on the internet and have a look at pictures drawn um, of Mother Shipton, then you'll see what looks like a classic witch's face, mm. really. Warts, big nose, chin that sticks out and mm. points upwards. Um, and, yeah, so she, she's come to, I think, personify what people think of as a witch, um, certainly in, the, in this country, in, in England, but I think in the States too, or, the new world as it would have been called when people started to go over there and tell the same stories mm -hmm. so this is obviously is how culture spreads um, yeah so she was um, obviously it's very difficult to know how much of that is actually true and how much she just embellished you know building upon her reputation I suppose um, so what, what about her prophesying what do we know about that because she talks there's quite a confused picture really of what she's said about the prophecies. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, there's various um, prophecies that anybody that's perhaps already heard of Mother Shipton might be familiar with. Um, so she prophesied things like, apparently, um, the Great Fire of London, um, the bubonic plague, um, the fall of the monarchy. Well, it was more the fall of the Catholic Church. Well, Sorry, the, yeah. the Reformation, really. Yes, sorry, yeah, yes. Yeah. Around, surrounding King Henry VIII, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, so we should just say, I suppose, just getting some context. She was, what sort of time frame are we looking at? When was she born? 1561? Oh, I think she died 1561. Right. So born around 1488 to 1561. Okay. Um, she was named Ursula Sothail. Um, and we've told the story of her birth to Agatha, her mother. Um, what we didn't say is that she was then rescued um, from that situation, and she, uh, the mother, Agatha, was sent to a convent, I think, and yeah. um, Ursula was then put in foster with foster parents. Yeah, the abbot of Beverly, I think it yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, sort of took care of the mother and, yeah. and then found this foster That's family. Right. So she, she didn't grow up in that cave, so she was born in that cave and then she was kind of rescued after a few months, I think it was. Um, and then she, she, from what we kind of understand about her life, she kind of lived a fairly normal life. Yeah, she got married, didn't she? she yeah, but even as a child she was kind of, um, she was raised in a family. Um, there's, there's some classic stories about her, her childhood, I don't know if you remember that one where... Um, her foster mum went out, which seems strange, left her on oh, her yeah. own. Yes. For, and she was only two, I think. And mm -hmm. when she came back, she was kind of sat on this high beam thing. Wasn't oh, across she? the fireplace. Yeah, across yeah. the fireplace, laughing. Sort of laughing, mm -hmm. I suppose, because they, they panicked, didn't they? They came in, They got. she got the neighbours to mm -hmm. look, help her look, and it was almost like she was sat above there, sort of laughing at the situation. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. So there's this kind of... Quite old, mischievous. Mischievous and could do things that seemed a bit... For um, a two-year-old? Yes, exactly. To get yeah. up above the fire. Yeah. She was known as, as being very wise, very intelligent, mm. and she liked to play jokes on people. Um, and she seemed to, as she was growing up, she seemed to be quite happy to, um, 
you know, be quite. I guess she was treated pretty badly because she she probably looked, um, you know, she was she had deformities, so people would um, treat her quite badly, particularly in that day and age. What child of the devil and things like yeah. that? Yeah, I think she was referred mm, to, wasn't that's she? Right. And, yeah, because yeah, there were some rumours that actually the father was the devil because mm. her mother wouldn't um, say who the father was. No. So the the rumours were that you know maybe the devil himself was her father. Mm. Um, yeah, so she had this. I mean, what I find interesting is that given the time period when this was happening, it's around the kind of witch burning um, time. Why? How she seemed to get through her life um, without any of that in itself is is kind of curious. I think. But anyway. Um, yeah, so she grows up and yeah, she gets married, doesn't she? Yeah, Toby Shipton. She Hence wasn't. Her name. Yeah, she wasn't married very long. Um, and there, I did read somewhere actually just um, earlier before we did this podcast um, that she, some thought she was actually responsible for her husband's mm, death. It doesn't. It doesn't elaborate on what and how that yeah. might be, but. Um, yeah, I think she was only married for a short time. Was it about two years or something? Yeah, I can't remember that, so I'll, I'll I could uh, be wrong, bow but to your yeah. knowledge on that one. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, she so she gets married to uh, to this this guy. I think that again, this this um, this plays into some of the mythology because uh, how could she get a handsome man like Toby Shipton, mm. um, who I don't think he wasn't particularly. Um, high up in society, but I think he was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. He had a, you know, he, he obviously had a reasonable profession. I think he's qu- well, according to the pictures of the house she lived in, yeah. she was quite comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but how how come she could land a husband like that? You know, so she must have um, made a love potion, something like that, because <laughs> she had maids as well. She had a maid. Yeah, yeah. So, so she she, she did became quite well. um, when she lived in the woods. Um, which she did for some time and um, she got quite good at, at learning how to use all the different herbs and so on so again this plays into the witch sort of you know trope um, they, they knew how to use herbs and uh, all these potions they could make so I think some a lot of people believe that she'd made a love potion um, to get this husband um, so okay so she gets to um, to adulthood and now she's starting to do some prophecies. What? So there's a lot of these prophecies. Do you want to highlight any that you found interesting, Sarah? Well, I think um, as we said, we're not a hundred percent sure on how uh, correct these are historically. Mm. Um, but obviously, based on the fact that um, we were we were born into Jehovah's Witnesses uh, religion, um, I think the end of the world prophecy. Um, is the first one that I'd like to draw attention yeah. to but as I said how how mm. correct this is I don't know but you know some people that have maybe um, googled Mother Shipton mm. will read a little bit about her prophecy of the um, the bridge Nasborough Bridge uh, will fall three times and on the third time the end of the world will come mm. and apparently it's already fallen twice or collapsed twice so 
Um, we're awaiting the fall of Narsborough Bridge yet again and then the end of the world will be. But obviously it will be the end of the world and nobody will know if that's actually true or not. Yeah, it's sort of unfortifiable <laughs> prophecy, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I know you were a bit more sort of um, reading a bit more in depth about the, as we've mentioned before, about Henry VIII and the... Um, the yeah. religious aspect of it and the Church of England forming, etc. Yeah, I mean, it seems that just sticking with your, your end time prophecy, yeah. um, she says, or the, the quote is, the world to an end shall come in 1881. Mm. And then somebody else um, re-interpreted uh, it and decided that that actually meant 1991. So in mm. the late 70s, there were kind of news articles and stuff about the end of the world that was going to happen yeah. according to Shipton. Um, but that section, along with a lot of the other sections that you might see if you do a bit of a re bit of research, um, is known actually to be to have been written not by Mother Shipton but by Charles Hindley mm. uh, who admitted in print that he'd created that manuscript. So basically some of the because there's a whole raft of so we've taken a lot of this information from the book called what's it called this book oh the book of prophecy the mother shipton oh. prophecy book um which you can get from the mother shipton's cave uh gift shop um so they're, they're kind of quite you know they're not too open about which ones of these are genuine genuine and which ones aren't there's a whole big section in there that talks about horseless carriages and iron boats and um, what seems to be describing the internet and so on um, but these were actually written much later in 18 what did we say was 18, 1862 um, and actually if you look at them in that context then actually and they were written by Charles Hindley so this is like 200 years yeah, after yeah. or 100 and so on years after she died so it had absolutely zero to do with Mother Shipton but he put her name to it so it sounded like which would have been amazing you know if she'd yeah, have foretold yeah. horseless carriages and um, boats of iron and so on but actually if you read them knowing that they were written in that period 1862 well at that time we were just starting to get telegraphs and we're starting iron to get ships, ships made of yeah. iron and the car was, mm. was invented so um, yeah not not spectacular at all no no not really when you start to dig a <laughs> exactly. little bit deeper but mm. the um i can't remember then off the top of my head going further on to what you've just said the part where um they talk about the um oh the quote is water shall come over Oosebridge, mm. and a windmill shall be set upon a tower and elm tree shall lie at every man's door um so I'll just read this little bit as well so I read, you know, get it correct. So it says the River Ouse was on the river next to York and Ouse Bridge was the bridge over the river. The prophecy meant nothing to the people of York until the town got a piped water system. The system brought water across the Ouse Bridge in pipes to a windmill that drew up the water into the pipes. The pipes were used, that were used were made out of elm trees and the pipes came to every man's door delivering water throughout the town. Mm. Um, do you know off the top of your head straight away whether that was written before? Yeah, well, um, it's certainly not part of the this work that Hindley mm. did. So we, we know, I think we're pretty sure that that wasn't um, one of his kind of um, scams. 
Um, so yeah, that seems to be written around the right time. But the problem is, is she didn't write anything down. She, no, that's true. <laughs> she didn't actually. Um, there was, uh, was what was that lady called uh, that listened to her stories? Joanne. Joanne Waller. Or yeah. Walker. Walker, I think it is. Joanne Walker. Is she listened to the stories mm. of Mother Shipton mm. and apparently they are the earliest recorded. Yeah, isn't that 80 years later, I think, yeah. they were written down? she re recounts stories that she yeah. listened to That's or right. purportedly listened to hearing direct from Mother Shipton's right. mouth. So I suppose that's the closest we've got to like an interview with Mother Shipton. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a there's a couple of sources. The earliest source. So this last couple of things we've been reading is from Wikipedia, so you can check it for yourself. The earliest sources of the legends of her birth and life were collected in 1667 by author and biographer Richard Head. I just have to stop at that point. This means his name is Dick Head. Ha ha ha. And and, uh, and then obviously yes, we've got other other sources. But yeah, so we're talking about so 1686. She died in 1861. So yeah, this is sort of 80, 90 years later that's written down. Yeah, so one of the common features I think in prophecy is this, that often you're unsure about when the actual thing was said. Mm. And that's, that's a big problem if you're trying to mm. check whether something was actually foretelling the future. Because if you're talking about something that happened hundreds of years ago, then you need to determine when the first time it was said or written down. If that was after the event, then obviously that that creates doubt on whether it's it, really a prophecy. It really does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would argue that's the same with Bible prophecies. Mm -hmm. So if you look at a lot of Bible prophecies and even Bible accounts, you know, things like the Gospels were written 70 odd years later after Jesus died, you know. Mm. So all these events that were supposed to have happened you know you're you're really going on trust that they did actually happen based around something you think about what happened 50 years ago i mean you know i was four you weren't even born you know mm. and what about 30 years ago mm. things that happened 30 years mm. ago if you were to write them down now yeah it'd be quite difficult to mm. get all of that right so well and even even if let's say um everything we've just talked about with mother shipton was um dated correctly mm. it's always open to interpretation right. isn't it mm. so you can always read into things like words flying on the wind i think was the one mm. or something like that and straight away you think of the internet so you know you can always put a swing on it to yeah. make it fit what you want it to say and you always read whatever you read you read it in context of what makes sense to you at mm. the time don't you say so, and that's one of the features of prophecy is that prophecy is often written in a very kind of flowery vague way that allows you to put into it your interpretation um, so uh, you talked about some of the other prophecies so I think perhaps one of the most interesting relates to Henry VIII and um, and all the political shenanigans yeah. around that um, so there's a prophecy there that says something like when the cow doth ride the bull then priest beware the skull when the lower shrubs do fall, the great trees quickly follow shall. The mitred peacock's lofty cry shall to his master be a guide, and one great court to pass shall bring 
what was never done by any king. The poor shall grieve to see that day, and who did feast must fast and pray. Fate so decreed their overthrow, riches brought pride, and pride brought woe. Um, so if you just sort of read that, you know, you'd, I think you struggle to know what that is actually referring to. Yeah. So it requires some, I'm doing this in inverted commas, experts, <laughs> yeah. um, some reader, some um, interpreter to look at those words and say, oh, this means this. So apparently, the cow in the cow doth ride the bull, the cow refers to Henry VIII, and the bull refers to um, Anne Boleyn, mm. which is in itself weird because obviously a cow is a female and the bull is the male. Um, this comes from but it's there. the other way around, and apparently this comes from their heraldry, mm. so their sort of coat of arms, yeah. if you like. Mm. Um, and the lower shrubs, great trees, and so on, apparently relates to the noble men who great trees of the noblemen who have all the power and authority and so on and so on and this relates to Henry VIII his um, dissolving the power of the Catholic Church mm -hmm. so this is the Reformation in some respects um, he basically dissolved the Catholic Church's power and took a lot of the land and stuff himself and I, th I do believe that he kind of he gave it to whoever he thought was deserving so this was a big political upheaval um, with him getting rid of all the Catholic churches abbeys and all of that sort of thing also came um, the dissolution of places where that would give arms they call it which is you know helping the, the poor essentially yeah. Money, what, yeah so that's why the mm. poor shall grieve mm. um, and so on so this this is the way that it's interpreted now I mean that may or may not be the way that it was intended if it was ever said that way but it just allows you to say oh this means this and this means that so if you were to read that now if you're a you know aspiring seer or um, interpreter of events you could find a different application mm -hmm. to that I'm absolutely sure didn't King Henry send for mothership he didn't he oh, didn't. not to say send for her, but... There is a reference to the witch is, of your... That's it. There is a, yeah. some written evidence that he yeah. he referred to this witch of the that's North. Right. Witch of the North. Witch, yeah. Witch yeah. of York, sorry. Yeah, I think that's what it said. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it was... And the other, the other character in this is Thomas Wolsey, who became Cardinal Wolsey. Um, she didn't like him very much. <laughs> no, she didn't, did she, really? Um, she did prophesy something about him apparently yeah, as well she did she she called him the mitred peacock so he's the one that is called the mitred peacock in that prophecy mm. um this refers to the fact that he was quite humble born but he worked his way to the top essentially well he was referred to as the other king wasn't he yeah the, he was so powerful mm. in the um wikipedia mm. information That's because right. his influence basically um, if he sort of said it, yeah. the king would go with it, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the absence of the king, he would essentially make mm. make all the de mm. decisions. So he was very much in charge. Mm. Um, but yes, he was. Um, Mother Shipton apparently told him that he wouldn't see or he wouldn't visit York, um, and then he um, he got to see York, which she said he would see York, but not actually visit York. So he only got to see York because he, 
he saw it from afar. He climbed a tower. He climbed a tower, yeah, I saw it from afar. It. Mm. And then just before he could go to York, he was called back by Henry VIII because he was in trouble, essentially. Um, and he died on his way in Leicester. Yeah, and he's buried there now. He wasn't apparently. very well, apparently. Yeah. So. so Cardinal Wolsey became the Cardinal. Um, he was, he, he, it's quite an interesting character because he, he starts off being very, very powerful, but also got into some trouble because he, he failed to get permission from the Pope for Henry VIII to get his marriage dissolved, which essentially led to the whole of the of the Reformation, um, at least from a secular point of view. Obviously, there was this religious movement going on, which mm. we won't go into. But anyway, there's, there's lots of stuff around him. But again, you have to question, you know, when was this, was this actually said? Was it actually said by her? When was it written down? How do we know that it, it's actually been prophesied before the event? Mm. And that is... So for me, if, if you're looking at prophecy, if you're trying to decide whether something is, is true or not based on prophecy, then I think you've kind of got three things that you should be asking. One, who wrote it? Secondly, when did they write it? And thirdly... Are you having to do a lot of work to interpret it to mean something? Yeah, I agree. Mm. You know, and and I would suggest that is the same for um, for Bible prophecy. So I did a little bit of research into uh, one of the prophecies that I was I remember being told about, and it is it relates to Isaiah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna find it now. Um, right, now I'm reading here from the Watchtower Library, so this is actually from a, a, an article, um, The Bible, God's Word or Man's. So this is, this is in a section which is trying to show you that you can trust the Bible because the Bible has prophecies that come true. And the very first one that it talks about, it says, Hezekiah was king in Jerusalem for about 30 years. In 740 BCE, he witnessed the destruction of his northern neighbour Israel at the hands of Assyria. In 732 BCE, he experienced God's saving power when the Assyrian attempt to conquer Jerusalem had failed with catastrophic results to the invader. So world power is Assyria. It's already taken the northern ten tribe kingdom because um, you know, remember that Israel split into two, yeah. a ten tribe and a two tribe mm. which got called Judah. Um, so Hezekiah was the king of Judah center in Jerusalem. Um, he'd seen the north be taken by Assyria. Assyria tries to attack them and we aren't going into the details but apparently God saved um, Jerusalem at that time. So now Hezekiah is receiving a delegation from the king of Babylon, uh, Merodach Baladan. On the surface the ambassadors are there to congratulate Hezekiah on his recovery from a severe illness Likely, though, Meredith Baladan sees Hezekiah as a possible ally against the world power of Assyria. So, so they've got the Babylonian king coming, um, and basically Hezekiah is showing off to say, look at all the stuff I've got, and, you know, look at all my possessions, and so on. And the king of Babylon's having a look around, thinking, well, that's interesting, look mm. at all this stuff he's got. Um, so Isaiah, um, who's the prophet at the time, um, he says... Uh, Isaiah is the outstanding prophet of the time and he quickly discerns Hezekiah's indiscretion. He knows that Hezekiah, Hezekiah's surest defence is Jehovah, not Babylon, and tells him that his act of showing the Babylonians his wealth will lead to tragedy. 
Days are coming, says Isaiah, and all that is in your own house and that your forefathers have stored up down to this day will actually be carried to Babylon. Jehovah decreed, nothing will be left. So this is a prophecy that um, we are told back in the 8th century BCE, around this time when it was given, it may have seemed unlikely for that prophecy to be fulfilled. Well, I was like, why? Why would that sound unlikely? If the Assyrians had already destroyed or taken the, the ten tribe nation, then I think the idea that the two tribe nation might be destroyed, not that big a deal. Okay, it was by a different nation, but still. Um, back in the 8th century, it may have seemed unlikely that prophecy to be fulfilled. 100 years later, however, the situation changed. 100 years later! <laughs> <laughs> Babylon replaced Assyria as the dominant world power, while Judah became so degraded, religiously speaking, that God withdrew his blessing. Now another prophet, Jeremiah, was inspired to repeat Isaiah's warning. Jeremiah proclaimed, I will bring the Babylonians against this land and against its inhabitants, and all this land must become a devastated place. So let's just get this right. So even by its own admission, this prophecy didn't get fulfilled until a hundred years later. It's quite a long time, isn't it? A hundred years. <laughs> so if I was to say to you, you know, I don't know, um, a, a country in Europe, I won't say the country because it could be any country, a country in Europe will get taken over by another country. In a hundred years. But I don't know when it's going to come. Mm. It might be a hundred years. Well, that's not much of a prophecy, is no. it? No. So I think that's a really bad example. But again, you'd have to ask, how do you know who said it? How do you know when it was said? When was this written down? Mm. Um, by whom? Mm. And as a prophecy, is that accurate enough? Is that tight enough, if you like, to actually be able to say, yes, this is a prophecy? Mm that means something and time and time again when you look at prophecies they just don't cut it do they they don't no. just like so why would we accept this and not accept accept mother shipton's prophecies very true well as, as i said before the closest thing we've got source of evidence if you like is this joanne mm. walker mm. um i haven't actually um have you done any research on her to no because that's the only person i can find that has been said to have any direct communication with mm. Mother Shipton and listen to her stories. So on that basis, if we could do some more research on that mm. and prove some stuff based on her actual um, well, findings, that, I don't know. That would be useful, wouldn't it, to know something about her. She's the one that wrote it down. Mm. But even so, you're still, um, you know, you're, you're still going by what she says happened many years before mm. uh, i think the other thing to remember is that these prophecies then do take on a life of their own and these characters so um, part of the appeal of mother shipton is is where it is so it's in this kind of magical place um, I, I should have said we've got some footage that we're going to have available certainly for the for our patrons mm. but but maybe a few bits for others so you can actually see some of this stuff so i took some footage of um some of these places the oh, yeah, you, you kind of do get caught up in the yeah. uh, enchantment of mm. it all um you get just, uh, drawn into you know the recording in the cave itself with the guy you know sort of reading um well, narrating the events etc mm. the 
the noise, the effects of the noise, etc. Um, and then we've got the the pool. Do you want to talk about the pool? Oh, the petrifying yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. That's um, yeah. That's believe in prophecies or not, there is a actual <laughs> petrifying well. They call it um, called so because um, the water that drips down in, into the um, the pond below is made up of such elements. Uh, chemicals, minerals, etc., that turn things to stone over mm. a period. Um, I think it said three months. Mm. Um, so, for example, there's people hang furry toys on there, um, and then there's a little museum. Mm. So you can see that yeah, it takes a period of three months where this stone builds up over the items. Um, so obviously, that's quite you know going back in time. Mm. Things like that happening would be quite astonishing yeah. quite amazing quite you think well you could perhaps either believe it was the devil's work or some higher beings works whether yeah. that's a god that you believe in or not um creating this magic <laughs> yeah i mean you'd, you'd live in a world of magic and wonder wouldn't you, yeah. you know, you'd, um that, so yeah it looks again check it out on um on the footage which i'll put a clip to mm. on the, or put a link to on the description um, but you can't actually deny that that's just, that's physically there yeah. you can actually see it so that is something that's been there for hundreds of years um but it looks imagine a you know kind of a waterfall but it's it's very it's it's a dripping waterfall mm. flats. there's lots of it just all drips down and it's full of all these minerals so anything that that sits underneath it gradually builds up all these minerals and he's, it looks like it's turned to stone. It does, Hence yeah. the name You did get drips on actually, didn't you? You thought I was going to turn yeah. to stone. Um, so yeah, it is It is really amazing. And then um, you, you walk up a few steps and there's this underground well, if you like. Yeah. That, that it's where some of the water collects. And again, it, it's kind of slightly eerie and, um, and it's got a... a the feel to it so yeah these these were times when in order to explain the world you had to come up with supernatural explanations mm -hmm. but now we know what that is mm -hmm. we can identify all the chemicals that cause that mm -hmm. to happen and we know why it happened but in 1561 exactly. they didn't know yeah. that so this magical place and and then we've got mother shipton living in this cave right next to it and it's all got this kind of feel so again the mythology of it all builds upon itself and becomes something that it's not um so yeah so for me prophecy if anybody claims to be able to prophesy the future to foretell the future for me i want to i want the the prophecy to be um accurate and specific not not these flowery language that you can apply to lots of different things it needs to be really specific about you know what it is that that it is that you're supposed to be prophesying if it's something that's been prophesied in the past then i want to know who did it and when they actually did the prophesy the prophecy and whether it was before the events and how we can know that i think that's key for me um yeah. you know as i said going back to my upbringing obviously i didn't really believe these things but i think even just discussing mother ships and referring to the facts of when people said things that's mm, key so if they're absolutely. if they're said after the facts then that rings a bit of alarm bells in my head thinking well yeah it's probably a bit embellished mm. and we're interpreting it the way we want people to to read it and see it so 
Absolutely. was it actually factual and a good example of this is is a lot of the books that you read about mother shipton and so on they don't differentiate mm -hmm. be, uh, between the bits that were written by um the earlier works like you know our friend dick head um or whether it was this later stuff you know which happened hundred and so odd years later um, after she'd gone so it just it just like the book we've got that is the prophecy book mm -hmm. it doesn't actually say this bit was you know we know this wasn't written by her or said by her it was this other guy they don't, they don't say that i think that the way that it, the phrase is let me just read it because it makes me kind of smile it says um then there was the long passage of strange images which may or may not be Mother Shipton's own words and which seems to have curious relevance to our time. Some of them seem to have been fulfilled. Some remain mysterious. Perhaps you will understand them. So, I mean, obviously it's a bit of fun. It's not meant to be a, a holy book. But my point is it, it just shows how these ideas and these... Um, that the credibility gets built up when actually it doesn't really deserve it, in my view. No, after all we've said and um, talked about today, now it's um, whether it's true or not. <laughs> it's really interesting. It's a bit of fun. It's, it's a bit of fun. It's a great day yeah. out. Yeah. And... If you're in the UK and you're, any, you're anywhere near Yorkshire, then yeah, take a trip to Old Mother Shipton's Cave. And Nesbury is a nice a nice place to go. Yeah, it is. It's um yeah, it's kind of it's got that kind of um I don't know, old world charm I think. Um so yeah, come and come and see it for yourself. Um before we go, I just want to draw attention to the, the most important prophecy that I as Jehovah's Witness would have believed in, which was the end of the world. And there again you've got Jesus' prophecy of, of all the things that were supposed to be happening the signs of the times we've got wars we've got earthquakes we've got pestilence and so on and so on and again you might say oh well that's definitely happening now yes but mother shipton would have also been able to prophesy those she things. did yes and she did there are words to that effect aren't there <laughs> yeah um, because they are always happening exactly as are nations destroying other nations and you know invasions and yeah it's always been and you know probably always will be unfortunately yeah i mean you can say various things can't you i mean i i could sit here this afternoon and um, predict certain happenings up and down the high street of pateley bridge mm. and more than likely at some point mm. i could look back over the day and say mm. see i said such and such now remember what happened so if you said it in rhyme it would be even better, even better yeah. yeah i'm not that clever though sorry <laughs> So the old woman with the slightly wide gate walks down the street. Will she be late? <laughs> so you could then interpret it. Oh, there's that woman running to church. Look, she's yeah. going to church. Or whatever. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, cool. Well, um, unless you've got anything else you want to say. I'm going to wrap it up there. I can't think of anything. I mean, yeah, there's, there's loads to say. Mm. There's loads more little gems from Mother Shipton that yeah. we could um, recant and just have a little bit of a, a giggle about to be honest that are interesting um, 
There was that one about the woman that lost her cloak, oh, wasn't yeah. there? What was that one now? That was quite quite nice. Well, one of um, I, I don't know whether it was one of her friends. I think it was said that one of her dresses was stolen. And her petticoat. Petticoat mm. was stolen. And Mother Shipton said, I know who's stolen that. Um, don't worry, you'll get it back by the end of the day. Or, or something, something like that. Tomorrow, and she had to go to the market yeah, square right. or something. And the woman who stole it was apparently wearing it on top of her own clothes and then came to them and did a dance and said, I'm a thief, I'm a thief, I stole your clothes. <laughs> um, and then took them off and gave them back to him. Um, so, yeah. So there's some does quite, thou believe that? Does thou believe that? No. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, yeah, there's lots of interesting stuff to read. Um, and yeah, it's, as always, open to interpretation. Indeed. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for doing that with me, Sarah. It's been great to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed that. That was quite um, amusing and interesting. <laughs> and um, looking forward to coming on again. Yeah, that'd be good. Look forward to having you on properly. We can listen to your to your story. Right. Good. Thank you very much. Um, so, we'll, as I said, we'll we'll put some clips online. Um, it might take a few days because this I've got to edit this as soon as I get back on Saturday ready for release on Sunday. Quick turnaround. So very quick turnaround. So some of the pictures we might not have available for a few days. But anyway, we'll get that up as soon as we can. Thank you very much for listening to What Should I Think About. And don't forget to like and subscribe. And yeah, become a patron for just a pound or a dollar fifty or whatever the equivalent is in your own country. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. <laughs> okay, so this is a little addendum to our previous conversation because since we did it, we've thought of other things that we wanted to say and we didn't. So um, this is now on Friday, coming to the end of our holiday, which we've enjoyed. I have anyway. Me too. Totally relaxed now. <laughs> Not really ready to go home tomorrow. I but know. There you go. It's true. I feel like I'm just ready now to have my holiday. <laughs> it takes you that long it to unwind. Um, anyway, so we've um, kind of been chatting as we've been walking around the Dales, and uh, there's a few things that we wanted to say. Um, so, do you want to start with some of the stuff that you wanted to include that we didn't? Yeah, uh, it's just a small thing actually. Um, when we was out on one of our walks the other day, um, I think I perhaps saw a moth that reminded me there is actually a moth mm. named after Mother Shipton. That's right. Um, because on its wings there are two head-like hag figures mm. on the wings and mm. it does actually um, and obviously when you read something and you look at something you do sort of see it more mm. but it does actually look um, what's the moth called it's called a um, oh, where's it gone uh, I think it's Callistige Mai um, never heard of it, never mm. seen one, and now obviously I'll be on the lookout for a Mother Shipton moth. So, a sort of common name is Mother Shipton moth, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's literally called Mother Shipton well, moth. Cool, and again, it's that um, that profile of the, I suppose, the classic hag or witch type. Yeah, point, pointy it? chin, crooked nose, yeah, know, no teeth. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, and I suppose the. the this illustrates or supports the idea that it's become really embedded in our culture. We were saying that as 
obviously both born and bred in England, it's not something we'd really heard of until we came to you, Watcher. So it's strange. The character of Mother Shipton seems to have taken such a big part of myth and folklore around witches and what they should look like and how they mm-hmm. behave. Um, but in terms of, you know, whether we know of her, we kind of don't really, or we no. didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's quite interesting. Um, the other character that is possibly influenced by Mother Shipton is actually the Punch and Judy show. So if you've ever been to England, um, I mean, it's it's quite rare nowadays, and it's certainly quite politically incorrect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, it was quite common. It was common when we were growing up. If you went to the seaside for a, a bit of a break or a holiday, um, the Punch and Judy show would always there would always be a Punch and Judy show there, and it was like a little makeshift show and um, puppet show. Um, very traditional. You can find pictures of it if you've never heard of it, but. Um, and there's various characters that always are part of this show um, but the main character Punch um, looks very much like Mother Shipton so yeah. if you think about that profile on your moth or anything else um, that profile of Mother Shipton is, is certainly there with um, with Punch that's quite interesting yeah. so some people believe that it is the same character and there is actually another character in the Punch and Judy show the characters that looks very much like you know, Cardinal Wolsey. So he he makes an appearance as well, mm-hmm. but it seems mixed up with other things as well around Fleet Street and so on. So it's 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 clearly an amalgam of things. But um, but yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought carrying on from that um, as well. Then they were saying um, I read uh, this is taken from Wikipedia again, but um, a caricature caricature. Sorry, couldn't say that. Of Mother Shipton was used in early pantomime. Mm. Um, and that actually um, lots of his historians um, believe this figure to be the forerunner of the Panto Dame. Yeah. Which is interesting as well because yeah. obviously the Panto Dame um, usually, obviously, isn't, it's normally a man, isn't mm. it, that's dressed up. It's played um, as by a man dressed up as a Yeah, as a dame, they usually yeah. make him to look sort of like big chins, yeah. you know, big nose, etc, etc. Yeah. So again, following the typical right. um, Mother Shipton sort of look. Yeah, absolutely. So you can kind of see that, can't you? But absolutely. you never thought of it. No. I think it's interesting how culture feeds on itself. So um, there's a character that Jehovah's Witnesses or XJWs will perhaps remember called the Witch of Endor. And obviously this predates um, Mother Shipton. <laughs> but because a lot of the books about the Bible and interpretations of the Bible were, of course, written afterwards, I think modern culture um, has a part to play in shaping what we think of when we think of a witch. So the story goes that King Saul... Um, because he wanted to know how the battle was going to go, he went to see the witch of Endor, um, this woman who was supposed to be able to communicate with dead people. Right. And he went to ask her what Samuel, who was a previous prophet, was going to say about the what was going to happen. And so he consulted with the witch of Endor, and she was apparently able to materialise um, a figure of Samuel. And... Um, 
tell him that he wasn't going to survive basically it was it was bad news mm-hmm. um but if you look at the pictures that i grew up with as a jehovah's witness of that scene the woman again looks kind of like the typical witch perhaps not quite so obvious but it's still you know an old woman in a cave um giving prophecy about mm-hmm. somebody's death it's these tropes that keep appearing over and over again, which I think are really fascinating. Um, unless you've got anything kind of more to bring into the, the subject, I think for me it illustrates the point that I suppose we've been making as we've done this uh, podcast and this this talking about old Mother Shipton is that um, the the prophecies, the ideas of seers, the ideas of being able to foretell the future and all these uncanny powers and so on you know that they're, they're kind of they're all the same aren't they? they they all follow the same sorts of patterns they're all steeped in myth and legend they all use language that could apply to many many different things um, and the bible is no different really and the way that we were brought up to treat that with such reverence and the belief that you know that was that was different to all the others well I I don't see it. I I think, you know, you you could very easily, if through some quirks of history, Mother Shipton had had gathered a cult around her, you know, you could imagine in in 200, 300, 400 years time that, you know, there would be a big organisation around the words of Mother Shipton. And I'd like to explore this more in in other episodes, you know, because there's obviously loads. Nostradamus crops up a lot in alternative sources um the mayan calendar and what all that meant Mm -hmm. there's literally scores of these so-called prophecies and they all follow a similar pattern Mm -hmm. all pretty vague all require interpretation all steeped in mysticism and myth and they're often um the actual event happened many years before things were actually written down so there's a, a big period of oral tradition and oral stories going around and then somebody puts it in writing Um, and then for some reason it becomes accepted as law Um, so yeah I think that for me that that throws doubt on the whole prophetic endeavor you know what what is this thing about prophecy all around Interesting. Mm. So, yeah, we we'll look forward to uh, learning some more. Yeah, we'll look into some more of that. Well, thank you very much uh, for listening. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production.